0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our God is a consuming fire. I was trying to wrap my head around this last verse in the letter to the Hebrews that we heard this morning. And I was at home in Indiana, so I had just the right setting for a story I was reading. It was a story by this country boy turned urban prophet named Shane Claiborne. Well, Shane was telling the story about his grandfather. His grandfather loved to buy tractor trailers and um, all kinds of new equipment, much to the chagrin of his wife. And he had just bought a new truck and a trailer. And he was ready to go out and do something with that trailer. So he called up his buddy and they spent the day baling hay. After a day of hard labor and sweat, they stacked the back of the trailer high with bales of hay. And they were so excited about the work they'd done and they were carting off that hay and they didn't notice that some of it had gotten a little bit too close to the tire. Well, there's this little thing called friction, and that little tiny piece of hay sparked on the tire as they're going down the road, probably chatting about the weather and how the crops were doing, and that hay bale was set aflame, and you know how hay is. It's dry, so the whole trailer started to catch on fire. And as they're driving down the road, they see some of their neighbors, and they're waving at them furiously, trying to get their attention. And like any good Midwestern person does as they're driving down the road, grandfather just waved right back. <laughs> well, after enough of these frantic waves, they realize maybe something else is going wrong. They turn down the Chuck wagon Gang song they're listening to, And they look back, and their entire trailer has caught on fire. And they realize if they stop the trailer, then their truck's going to catch on fire, too, and they're going to have an even bigger problem on their hands. So Grandpa Claiborne puts his pedal to the metal and starts speeding down the road to knock off those hay bales. And one by one, swerving down the road, the hay bales fall off and light up the entire eastern city. Tennessee County. Well, Shane's grandfather, after he got out of jail, (laughs) he didn't really go to jail, he lived to tell his grandson this wild story about how the hay bale had set the entire county on fire. Our God is a consuming fire. We Episcopalians often avoid metaphors of raging fire in our cachet of images about our life as Christians. And yeah, we understand that fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And in our drawers at home, we keep the candles that were given to us at our baptism and were given to our infants when they were baptized as reminders that the flame of God resides in each one of us. But so often, we don't do much more with the flame than to protect it from going out or else that fire might ignite and spread. To imagine God as a consuming fire within and around us, it's not very safe. And it never has been. In the letter to the Hebrews this morning, The author makes reference to Mount Sinai. And in our Hebrew scriptures, it's often referred to as Mount Horeb, which literally means glowing or heat, like the sun. Mount Sinai was the mountain of fire. And historically, the fire of God, symbolized by that mountain, was something to be feared. The ancient Israelites feared that if they Heard the voice of God, they might be consumed unto death by fire. Mount Sinai was to- so terrifying to Moses that he trembled at its sight. And though historically that fire of God was something the people feared, it was also something that transformed. On Mount Sinai, Moses encountered God in the burning bush. He proclaimed the Ten Commandments. That very ground of the mountain of fire was considered holy. And that author of the letter to the Hebrews assures us that though we have historically for ages feared the fiery nature of the Spirit of God, the consuming fire of God is at the heart of our call as Christians. And it can be as surprising as bales of hay lighting up the eastern Tennessee night sky. When we listen for the voice of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the little lights within us that are the fire of God have the power to set the world aflame. That voice of God is awesome is powerful, is surprising, and is sometimes even fear-inducing. The author of the book of Hebrews suggests that we still be bold enough to listen, to listen to the urgings of a voice that calls up to us to light up the darkness of this world. That voice assures us that God's consuming fire a fire of love is not something that destroys, but it's a fire that builds, that consumes, that refines. We listen to the story of a call to ministry in the heart of a man who was consumed by the fire of God and the prophet of Jeremiah. The voice of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he was just a young boy, and said, you know, before you were even born. I knew that you were called to be a prophet. Jeremiah first had to accept that call. Jeremiah came from a long line of priests, and then priests enjoyed life tenure. They didn't have to worry much about where their next job was going to come from, so it probably would have been pretty appealing to Jeremiah to follow in the steps of his father. But God was calling him to be a prophet a prophet that might only be working for a few weeks to proclaim something God wanted to be heard, or he may be working for the rest of his life, telling the truth. And perhaps it was a truth that people didn't want to hear. Prophets were often not very popular. So Jeremiah responded, Ah, Lord God, Truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. The voice of God speaks to us in our lives in many ways, calling us to be who we were created to be, whether we like it or not. And so often we respond by saying, Ah, Lord God, truly I cannot do this, For I am just a... What's your excuse? And sometimes I think it's the opposite. Ah, Lord God, truly I cannot do this, for I am a... Name your source of pride. Every single one of you, all of us, are called to together build God's kingdom. And that means moving from protecting the flame within us and knowing that it's never going to go out. Knowing that it's meant to unabashedly set the world on fire with the Holy Spirit. Whether you are young or old or somewhere in between, whether you've heard the voice of God many, many times, or you have no idea What listening for the voice of God is even like. That voice is there. That voice is there among these people sitting around you. It's there in your prayer life. And it's calling you to something incredible. When it comes to your role in building God's kingdom, being honest about who you are and what you are called to do, how are you responding? Well, Jeremiah, he did become a prophet. And from his very young age up into his old age, his entire life became a symbol of the life of the people of Israel. And often that meant a lot of suffering for Jeremiah. He never got married, and he never had children, even if he'd had wanted to. And that part of his life was a sign of the end of life in the nation of Israel— He was arrested, imprisoned, left in a cistern to die, and he narrowly escaped with his life at one point. He lost everything and survived, all to deliver a message that God had for the people. And at the end of his life, he finally bought a plot of land to symbolize that life would be restored to Israel. But his community never listened to him, But we, still today, gain hope from him answering his call. The consuming fire of God is not safe. It calls us to set the world aflame with love. And of course, that means disturbing the way things are at present. Like those hay bales off in the fields, sometimes people aren't really going to like it too much. It's going to light up a darkness that to this point, people have been perfectly content with remaining dark. Jesus offered us the ultimate example of responding to a call and setting the hearts of those around him on fire in the process in the gospel lesson this morning. He was called by God. In his life to reveal the nature of God's kingdom. So he looked with compassion on a woman who had been unable to stand up straight for 18 years. And healed her on the Sabbath. He could have waited another day. He could have waited until Wednesday. It had been 18 years this woman had been living with this ailment. Jesus could have done the healing then. But he chose not to keep that flame contained. He chose to take the opportunity to light up the darkness that had been burdening the hearts of the people, that had bound them in legalistic ways. He set the hearts of the people on fire with compassion. Accepting the light within each of us that's meant to be the consuming fire of God I believe, is the greatest challenge of our days and perhaps of our lives. Thankfully, we have modern-day saints that walk alongside of us to teach us the way of the light of Christ, of the consuming fire of God. There's a woman named Marianne Williamson, who was an L.A. resident, who in 1989, at the height of the AIDS crisis, saw darkness. She saw people suffering and people not sure how to respond to that suffering. And she had a dream and a vision of helping those people at any cost. And she built a program called Project Angel Food. That program started by taking meals on wheels to 15 people a week. And today it serves meals to people living with AIDS who are homebound that number over 1,000 in the Los Angeles area each day. Marianne Williamson was unafraid to take the gifts and the passion that God had given her to act with compassion, a compassion that ignited the souls of compassion of others. Three years later, she wrote a book. And in that book, she wrote something that's often misattributed to the former president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela. And Nelson Mandela actually cited this in one of his speeches, but Marianne, as a result of the work she'd been doing, wrote this. And I think she wrote it to remind us that each of us truly is a light in the darkness and for us to not be afraid. She writes, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, beautiful, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are we not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. And when we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. It won't be safe. And it's probably going to require some challenging work within ourselves and without ourselves. And it might wind up Looking like those dotted hay bales alongside the road, disturbing, lighting up, changing. But you were born to make the glory of God manifest that is within you. What will you do with the light of God that is within you? We are moving to this table, and at that table, That bread is a symbol not only of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of each of our lives. That we are blessed. We are broken. We are received by our community and meant to be shared. And the consuming fire of God sets the world aflame. Amen. were made for us and for our salvation he became incarnate By the power of the holy spirit he became incarnate from the virgin mary and was made man for our sake he was crucified under pontius pilate he suffered death and was buried on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures he ascended into heaven catholic and apostolic church we acknowledge one baptism forgiveness of sins